0: When you have your tier evaluation, you do have the right to representation if you challenge your classification. So you will get notification. The notification will set forth all the criteria that was utilized in evaluating you and determining what your tier assessment should be. If you don't agree with a tier assessment, you can request a hearing. And at that hearing you can be represented by counsel, and you can challenge the criteria utilized to assess your tier evaluation. What's really important is to try to get your tier score down so that you only come in as a tier one at highest. So your public information is not displayed on the internet. Additionally, If you are required to register for life in the state of Nevada, you can make application to the district court in most cases after 15 years to terminate your registration requirement. If you have in fact been compliant with the law and registering for 15 consecutive years. Additionally, after 10 years, you can make an application to the attorney general's office to have a new tier assessment done so that if you are a tier three offender, after 10 years, you can seek to have your level adjusted downward so that your information is no longer publicly displayed.
1: And this... I'm getting information from Pop's criminal attorney and he's in communication with LAPD and the detectives out there. It's definitely way, way closer than it was a couple of months ago. Justice will definitely be served. And well, Steven Victor was right because in the early morning of July 9th, 2020, the LAPD arrested five suspects on warrants related to Pop Smoke's case. The five suspects were 18-year-old Keandre D. Rogers, 21-year-old Jaquan Murphy, 19-year-old Corey Walker, and two other juveniles whose names were not made public due to them being minors at the time of the arrest. Various media outlets reported that the LAPD solved this case the old-fashioned way, by going door-to-door interviewing everyday civilians, in hopes that they saw or knew any inside information that they've not yet heard. They also went and obtained security camera footage from neighbors and nearby businesses, which played a big role in tracing the suspects back to Hoover Street in South Central Los Angeles. Upon arresting and interrogating the suspects, the LAPD retracted their first theory of this being a targeted hit and changed it to a robbery gone bad. It was also noted that authorities think that the social media posts made by Pop Smoke revealing the address and expensive purchases are what inspired the unfortunate events to take place. The LAPD also suspects that those involved in Pop Smoke's case were also involved in another case, dating back to September 14, 2019, which resulted in the death of 18-year-old Cameron Stone, At the Rose Bowl parking lot in Pasadena, California, the three adult suspects are currently still in custody and are each being held on a $1 million bail. This is overall an incredibly sad situation. The world lost an extremely talented artist all because a few criminals thought that they could come up on a successful rapper visiting their city. Pop Smoke was only 20 years old at the time of his passing, and had such a bright future in front of him. His posthumous album, Shoot For The Stars, Aim For The Moon, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart with over 250,000 sales in the first week. This goes to show you how much people adored Pop Smoke and his music. And it's such a shame that his posthumous album will be his first and also his last album. While we'll never get to see what Pop Smoke would have become in the next few years. It's at least nice to see that those who caused his tragedy will be brought to justice and will hopefully spend the rest of their lives behind bars and i really appreciate the lapd for all the work they put in to make this happen if you enjoyed this video explaining how the lapd solved pop smokes case then feel free to leave a like down below also If you're interested in seeing more content just like this, press the subscribe button as well as the notification bell to be notified whenever we upload. Also, if anyone has any interesting topics that they would want to see covered on this channel, then comment down below and I'll take a look into them. That's all I have for today. I'm out. Somehow or another, we ended up talking like he, caught con- he, I think he did, he texted me. It doesn't matter. Regardless, we ended up talking and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Hey man, what's going on? He's told me he wanted to talk. He sent me another what, text and he wanted to talk to me about real estate. Okay, fine. So we, he said, Hey man, I'm doing real estate. Like I'm renovating a house right now. I'm, I think he said he was building another house. He's like, I'm doing so good, man. And, and he's going on and on. I was like, okay, okay. And then I remember he, we, I accepted a friend request from him and I went through his scroll and and he's got through his, you know, scrolled through his, his Facebook and he has got all these pictures of him with just Louis Vuitton and, 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 uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, it's, it's just all kinds of, of, uh all kinds of, of name brand stuff, you know, uh, Prada, whatever. He's driving a big car, he's got little videos, he's wearing clothes, $1,000, $2,000 suits. He's, he and his wife are all these pictures of them shopping, there's pictures of, there's pictures of, of them with, you know, just all kinds of, of ridiculous stuff. And I've done rehabs. I've done lots and lots and lots of rehabs. So I flip properties, like I bought properties, fixed them and sold them. And I've done tons of them. You don't get out of prison, put that whole operation together and make the kind of money that he was flashing on Facebook. And I re- remember I immediately thought, No. Something's wrong. Something's up. What ended up happening was he he kept he called me another time and he, when we were talking, he's like, "Man, we got to get together. We got to get together." I was like, "Yeah, I know. We 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 definitely do. We definitely do." Thinking <laughs> I'm not getting together with this guy. There's no way I'm hanging out with this guy. This guy, there's something up. And he kept talking about real estate. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm flipping a property right now. I'm fixing up I'm doing this. I'm like, is that what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm all into real estate and stuff. Oh, you're flipping a bunch of property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well this is like my this is like my first one, uh or, or first or second one, I forget what he said. And I just remember thinking, How are you making this kind of money? You know, where's this money coming from? This guy's done nothing his whole life except for fraud. He's been, he's committed nothing but fraud. I I just so I I I instinctively like like my I have pretty good intuition. My intuition told me something's wrong. He must have called me, I want to say he called me two or three times. Every single time. It was like, hey, I'm in Tampa. Uh, uh, Can we meet for lunch? I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I just left. I'm in Orlando. Like, I never ended up meeting him. Like, I always had an excuse. I'm sorry. I'm so swamped with work. I can't. I this. And I'm sure if I wanted to, I could have met him. But I felt like something was up. Something was definitely up. And I just, something told me. This guy, he's troubled. Don't meet with them. You're, you know, you're not supposed to be, you can't be hanging out with felons. I mean, he's calling. There's nothing I can do. The guy calls me. Like I, I can't be like, don't you call me again. You know, and hang up the phone. I'm, I'm like, all right. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand, but I'm not mean with this guy. I'm not, I'm not going to associate myself with this guy. And no big deal. I didn't hear from him for a while. So, I probably heard from him a couple of weeks ago. And then suddenly someone sends me a text message that says, do you know this guy? And it sends me this clip. The clip that Colby's got to put on the, uh, I think we. you could put it up here and play it, like if you embed it in here and just play the clip. Someone sent me this clip from the news, and here's the clip. When you here at 11, this Davenport couple is accused of trying to defraud the government out of more than $5 million in COVID relief money. According to court records, the couple spent some of that money Gambling at casinos. All right, so apparently, Julio Lugo was committing fraud. He was, uh, he had applied for $5.8 million in PPP loans. And, you know, those are the loans that are set up to help corporations you know, large businesses, small businesses, basically make payroll. <clears throat> so, based on what I've read, I've read like two or three articles, and almost all the articles are just really based on on the uh, uh, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office will release like a press release, and then. Newspapers pick it up and they just rewrite. They're really just, you know, anyway.
2: Yes, I signed those documents, blah, blah, blah. They don't actually charge him for anything. What ends up happening is a few months later, he fails a urine test, several urine tests, and they pull his probation and he goes back to jail for 30 months on a probation violation but he probably wouldn't have gotten the 30 months did they not already know he was involved in another scam does that make sense like mm-hmm. i can't say oh it was just a probation violation cuz they knew he had he was involved in another in a in a scam so they hit him pretty hard for for a, a dirty urine so those two people are the only people that ended up going to trial everybody else are going to prison everyone else um had basically um, skated. They were never never grabbed, never indicted, or they were
0: indicted, but they were never prosecuted. Nevada has this wonderful statute under NRS 454.351 that's commonly referred to as ITS. And what it stands for is possession of drugs, not to be introduced into interstate commerce, which sounds really strange. But the beauty of the statute is that just about every offense in Nevada involving narcotics is a felony where you could be looking at state prison. ITS is a misdemeanor. You may face no jail time at all and you can have your record sealed after only two years. Most commonly, negotiations to an ITS involve cases where someone goes to a pool party um, and brings in a small amount of drugs, or they're pulled over in their vehicle, or otherwise drugs are found on their person. Most commonly, um, these negotiations are offered to defendants with very little criminal record. But the important thing is that if you plead to a misdemeanor ITS instead of a felony prosecution, um, you can avoid the consequences of a felony. You might be able to get your case dismissed if you complete a drug class. Uh, You may have to pay some fines. You may have to do some counseling. The bottom line is... If you've been charged with a felony drug offense in the state of Nevada and you're trying to keep a felony off your record, call us at the Las Vegas Defense Group and we'll see if we can get your charge reduced to a misdemeanor ITS so that you won't have permanent
3: consequences. And captured him. They say we have no proof that he was arrested but they say they arrested him this guy was able to do all of that and he came back with not a hair out of place he was able he, he was able to be taken in alive i mean It's a miracle how they did it because, you know, normally they kill and they shoot you 70, they shoot you 700 times, kill, just kill, just over, they overkill, but somehow they managed to have restraint. They figured it out. They preserved life. Nobody got shot. They gave the suspect multiple opportunities to kill them. The suspect even warned them, hey, I'm capable of killing you. I said, I'll kill you. They gave him opportunities to kill him because you know how they say, oh, you got a split second to respond and you got to do what you got to do, you know, because we're trying to make it back home. Well, they actually gave the suspect opportunities to not allow them to make it back home. I mean, they gave him that. And they got through it anyway. It was absolutely incredible to watch them work. I mean, it's like, man, this is, this is tech book police work right here. I mean, this is top notch academy. Damn, maybe they can teach the other cops, the white cops specifically, because the black cops don't go around gunning down black folks or any folks. Uh, Somehow the black people, the black cops, don't just go around killing unarmed people. Somehow the black cops, maybe the black cops get trained at a different academy. I don't know. I can't put my hand on it. But the data is not coming back right. What's up, Thomas Sin? Yeah, the data it, it's just it's something they figured out, man. They, they, they had it right. Uh, kudos to their teachers, their instructors, uh, and them for uh following uh, following their training. Like, man, they did that. It was absolutely unbelievable. So we're going to talk about that in about 30 minutes. We're going to talk about that on Willie D. Live channel. You don't want to miss it, fam. I'm going all the way in. All the way in. I'm just getting warmed up right now. I'm just getting warmed up. So 30 minutes, fam. Give me 30 minutes. I'm going to be on the Willie D. Live channel. If you're on YouTube right now, I mean, if you're on uh, Facebook, you can click the link in the description and um, it'll take you to the Willie D. Live channel on YouTube and you can just uh, click that button and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. You want to make sure you get all of. You want to make sure you get all of your um, your notifications when you when you subscribe. Make sure you select all notifications; otherwise, you may not get any. The only notifications you're gonna get from me is when I drop a new video. That's it. I don't send out notifications for nothing else. So, click that bell. And select all notifications otherwise you may not get any James who is this James Morton appreciate you James Morton yeah so fam get your comments ready it's about to go down 30 minutes It's about to go down on the Willie D. Live channel on YouTube, all right? Until then, fam, no more talk.
0: Now, there are also regulations against other type of animal fights, for example, cockfighting. And a first-time conviction for running a cockfight is a gross misdemeanor that carries up to 364 days in jail. A second time offense is a Category E felony with up to four years in state prison. And a third time offense is a Category D felony with up to four years in the state prison. Stop
1: doing drugs. And the judge will be like, This guy's just, he's unsupervisable. Like, we can't get him to behave. And they'll say, you know what? All right, we're just going to take you off paper. It's just a waste of time at this point. Well, I had actually thought about doing that. I thought, you know, if I would, would, if I get out, violate, go straight back to prison, I'll go back for a year or so, and I could get them to quash my paper. The problem with that is that that won't work with someone who has restitution if you have a massive amount of restitution they'll just put you back on paper they're not going to quash your paper because you're unsupervisable now i know several guys who've done it um for instance john Boziac, which is a guy i wrote a story about and uh, he's going to be in a couple of the uh of the grind uh, vlogs and uh, he just did uh, concrete and uh, MSCS media and um, I'm going to do a podcast with them and just a bunch of stuff's going on with him. He actually violated, went back to prison and they quashed his paper. I think he had like a year or two worth of uh, supervised release. He got out. He He got in trouble. Again, they grabbed him um, he never got charged, but he knew inter- just interaction with the police can get you violated. Now, they didn't charge him, but he was afraid that he might get charged. So he took off on the run and, um, when they caught up with him and he went back from the judge, the judge said, look, I'm going to, you know, you're going to get like six months and I'm just going to quash your paper. You're you're unsupervisable. We keep catching you keep taking off and getting caught here and caught there. And you're just you're just not going to behave. So they quashed his paper. And I know lots of guys that have come back to prison like I'll see him leave. They come back and they're like, yeah, man, it's great. I'm coming back for six months. But when I get out, I'm done with paper. So it's not going to work with me. Um, and here's the thing about being on papers, a lot of people don't understand is that you don't really have the same rights as everybody else anymore. Your probation officer can, can, can basically violate you for any reason at all. I can be violated for anything. If I'm caught, um, let's say hanging out with a a felon, they can, they can if, if I don't have permission to be around that person, they can violate me, send me back to jail for a year, 18 months. I know a guy who was hiding money, like he was paying his restitution, but he was hiding money. They violated him. He got 18 months. Um, I know a guy, I know about four guys, but I'll give you one example. There was this guy, uh, a black guy, super nice guy. He'd been in jail for like 10 years for a, a drug conspiracy. Well, then he got out. He was in Florida. He got out and he got caught in a vehicle. Like it was an SUV, uh, some SUV. He got, they got pulled over. He was in the car with three other guys that were felons. All of them had been arrested for drugs. The car was searched. And when the police searched the car, they found uh, they found like $30,000 in cash. So finding $30,000 in cash is not illegal. Um, but what the cops did was they didn't charge anybody. They just said, you know, okay, well, we're going to notify your probation officer. So they notified his probation officer. He went back in front of the judge. Probation officer said, listen, the guy was, one, out of the jurisdiction. Two, he was hanging out with three other felons, She's not supposed to be doing. And they were all had drug convictions, and $30,000 was found inside of the vehicle. He hasn't been charged with anything. But they used that to go ahead and violate him. And they they gave him, I think they gave him like uh, about 18 months. might have been 12 months. But I think they gave him 18 months. And they said, when you get out, we're going to quash your paper. But the fact of the matter is, he had to go back to prison for a year to 18 months. Just because he happened to be in the car with three other guys. Now look, they were probably doing a drug deal or something. And he just didn't get caught. Okay, I know. I know that. The judge knows that. The point is, is that they can use pretty much anything. For instance, if I got into a vehicle and the car got pulled over and it was searched, and let's say there was a gun, the guy with me had a gun. One, as a being a a felon, hanging out with someone that has a a weapon, unless that person is willing to say the weapon is his, and I didn't even know the weapon was there, I could get charged with something called constructive possession, which means I had constructive possession of a weapon. I didn't have the weapon, but they can allude to the fact or basically tell the judge or the jury, whatever, that he had the gun for me. Like that was really my gun or I told him to carry a gun because I couldn't have it like guys will have their girlfriend go get a gun and keep it in her purse but really that's their gun you can get three to five years for that as a felon you don't even have to have the gun the point is is that if i got into a car some guy got pulled over that guy had a gun the police officer knows i'm on federal probation because it's going to come up and he notifies my probation officer my probation officer are unclear of what this exactly means but reese was held on no bond academics at the time this occurred thought that this arrest had something to do with his previous arrest and maybe thought that Lou reese didn't follow the rules the judge gave him in order to be released now this seems like a pretty good theory but as i stated before Lou Reese was acquitted of his previous charges back in 2015, so it couldn't be that. Anyways, Reese was eventually released a few days later. It's once again unknown how this case played out. Lil Reese's seventh and final arrest took place in May 2018, after the Chicago Police Department and FBI Task Force raided Reese's apartment in the South Loop of Chicago. It was unknown what Lil Reese did for the authorities to obtain a search warrant, but during the raid, agents recovered over $2,200 worth of kush, a digital scale, and a bundle of cash. Reports never stated how much money the Fed seized from Lil Reese, but he later revealed in an interview with DJ Academics that one of the FBI agents who raided his place was former NFL player Charles Tillman, who joined the FBI training program in 2016 after he retired from the NFL. Charles Tillman, according to Lil Reese, is the one who seized the money from him which was reportedly $100,000. After the feds made this discovery, they arrested Reese and booked him on felony drug charges. A year later, it was revealed in court that prosecutors offered to lower the felony charge to a misdemeanor if Reese pleaded guilty and did one year of probation. Lou Reese would also have to pay a $584 fine. Reese obviously accepted this offer and pled guilty. Lou Reese hasn't been arrested since, and I hope it continues to stay that way. That's all I have for today. I'm out.
4: <laughs> like, this shit just doesn't fucking jive, dude. And, you know what I mean? But. Here I am trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, or well, you know, we had, we had already had my son together, and I knew he's mine for sure. <clears throat> and you know, I still love her, and even to this day, I still love her. I still love her to death, and we're still married, even though I haven't talked to her in months, and we've been separated for four years. I haven't mm-hmm. seen her in four years, and um, since Nebraska. So this, this whole thing went down in Nebraska, and you know, our kids get taken away. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> and I have a warrant for my arrest. Mm-hmm. Because I just took off from after all this shit just happened down here in in Florida. Let me get some water. It's just getting wild. I'm parched.
2: Yeah. Now I'm I'm because <laughs> yeah. Keep in mind by this point I'm I'm just done with the with the book. <laughs> right. The
0: book's been written. Yeah, yeah, we're
2: into book we? number two now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> books. Yeah.
4: Like I said, this whole this whole whole another situation and um. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, the cops, they get involved, and I got a warrant out for my arrest, so I'm like, fuck, dude, what the fuck, you know what I mean, I'm in my head, I'm like, dude, this bitch just fucked me, you know what I mean, like, I came out here to fucking chill, and you fucked me, because you're an idiot, you know what I mean, so, the fucking police get involved, and, you know, sure enough, they finally figure out who I am, and they Mm -hmm. run my name, and they came to the house to get me one morning, and... This is the whole thing. Let me tell you this story. So, okay, so these these cops show up.
2: The gummies wore off. Yeah, how it's all say, coming to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. pulling teeth before. It's like yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And um, so so I'm working. I'm working at this little machine <laughs> shop, um, next door to the house in, in this in in this small town in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm over there at work, and I see two I see see two sheriff's, uh, cars roll up to my house, and I already knew what time it was, so I call my wife. And I, and I was right next door, I'm like, like the police are outside, I'm going to jail. She's like, what, where? I'm like, they're outside the house. She's like, okay, just stay over there. And I was like, listen, if they know where I live, they know where I work. <clears throat> you know what I mean? He lives here, he works there. It's not very fucking hard. Mm-hmm. So, I remember what happened. I think they left. She told them I wasn't there, and they left. And then they drove around the back of the shop. And then, so I leave the front door of the shop, and I walk into the house and I'm fucking hiding inside the house, and like the the cops are like surrounding the house now. And Now they know I have a warrant out for my arrest. They know who I am. They're there to fucking take me to jail. They got the whole fucking house surrounded, dude. They're beating on the door. They got flashlights in the windows. My wife's not. My wife's out there just arguing with them on the front lawn. Like he's not here. My wife. My wife. Bless her heart. She's five foot even, <laughs> 120 pounds, and she's Cuban and. Her English isn't, you know what I mean. Not, not like ours. You can tell she's not a native, you know. So she's out there arguing with them. They finally come in the house. They finally find me in the basement. I'm inside of a cabinet. <clears throat> I'm hiding inside of a fucking cabinet inside of the basement. I can hear them all walking around the house for like an hour searching for me. I'm not wow. coming out. I'm not coming out, motherfuckers. You guys you have to come down here and find me. Hide and seek, motherfuckers. You know what I mean. You're it. <laughs> You dig what I'm saying? So I'm in the basement. I'm inside of a cabinet, and I'm I'm small, so I can curl up in a ball. And they pull open the cabinet door, and he shines the light in there, and I just stay still. And he closes the cabinet, and he was like, and they were going to walk away, and then I heard I heard I heard the footsteps stop, and then I heard somebody say something real low. Okay, he saw you. Yeah, I heard him say somebody real low, and then they fucking yank open the cabinet. They got the tasers on me. They got two of them with tasers on me. I'm like, fog. And they're like, come out with your hands up. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to crawl out of this fucking cabinet, dude. And he just grabs my arm. Like, they yank me out of the fucking cabinet. Dude, I come outside. I'm getting arrested. My wife is fighting the police. She's physically fighting the police mm. in the front yard. God bless her. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> like, all right, she's going ham for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's fucking going ham. She's yeah. screaming. She's fighting the police. She gets arrested. They arrest us both right there. Take us both to jail. Yeah. Our kids were already taken away. They were in like a fucking foster care or whatever like that. We both go to jail. Uh, yeah. So this was November mm-hmm. of 2015 is when I started this little journey is when I, when I got arrested and, and we both went to jail and everything. I didn't get to South Carolina excited to go back and see my judge in South Carolina. 'Cause that's where my warrant was out of. I had a federal warrant out of the southern district of Southern Carolina, or North northern district of Southern Carolina.
5: What's up? This your boy, Big Man. You already know what it is, man. So let's get right to it. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about YFN Lucci. Now, YFN Lucci just got into the news lately because of something not related to his other court case. Now, what I mean is he was sued by a rapper, him and PMB Rock to be exact, man. Now, the last time we checked in with YFN Lucci, he had just been released from jail after being charged with murder and a couple of other charges involving a shooting that took place in Atlanta, man. It was a real wild situation, and it's gone kind of quiet, man, because, you know, the folks, they were basically coming for YF and Lucci, and they got him. He was arrested. I did several videos. They dropped a 911 call that led to the to his arrest. They also, man... Posted the fact that he was out on Bond. It was a whole bunch of stuff going on with YFN Lucci last month. Or even, should I say the month before that. Now, the last we heard of him, he got out. And now we're going to be talking about this court case. Now, in the court case, it looks like him and B Rock were being accused of taking somebody's song for their hit, Every Day We Lick. Now, YFN and Lucci... And his camp has yet to say anything about this situation. But PNB Rock and them got taken to court. And I'm going to tell you how it went. Not in their favor. Now, before we get into the specifics, do me a favor. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And man, let's get it. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this YFN Lucci PNB Rock court case. Now, to be honest, it was more directed towards PNB Rock. Because in this story, it talks about uh, the fact that YF and Lucci might have already made some type of separate agreement for this situation. Now, it doesn't go into any specifics, but this is the case, man. So there's a New Jersey rapper by the name of Rat Boy Cam. Now, Rat Boy Cam was suing PMB Rock and YF and Lucci. And he actually won the lawsuit. Now, the lawsuit was a copyright infringement case. And it was over the song, Every Day We Lit. Now, for those of you who don't know, YFN Lucci Man was on a tear for a while. He had a whole bunch of hit songs that came out, man. And Every Day We Lit was one of them. Now, it was featuring a Philadelphia rapper by the name of P.M.B. Rock. Now, a lot of you might not be, you know, up on Game about P.M.B. Rock. Even though he's pretty significant in the hip-hop game around that time frame, you know what I mean? He's gone a little quiet since then, but, you know, during that time, he was really, really lit out here, man. No pun intended. Now, in this lawsuit, it was saying that P&B Rock and, and the producer, June James, had stolen from this New Jersey rapper, Boy. Now, Rack Boy had a song called Everything Be Lit. Now, just off the name, you could tell they're similar. Now, when I listened to both songs, I mean, I kind of heard what was familiar between the two, man, you know, the similarities. But it looks like, man, my opinion doesn't matter because a judge, I mean, basically awarded uh, Rack Boy $1.7 million in a judgment, man. Now, this is what it says in a complex article in the news. It basically says this. It says, In 2018 lawsuit, in a 2018 lawsuit, excuse me, Boy argued that the song Every Day We Lit, on which the three aforementioned artists were featured, is deeply similar to his effort, Everything Be Lit. Earlier this month, Boy's lawyer, Christopher W. Nero, secured a significant copyright infringement victory that netted his client over $1.7 million. Since an agreement was already reached with YFN LUCI, like we said earlier, and think it's a game records, The judgment was made against PMB Rock and the song's producer, June James. Now, this gets really interesting because the way that they split it up. So basically, in the judgment, they said this. He got... Over one point four million dollars in cash, or he was granted one point four million dollars in cash, and close to two hundred and sixty-eight thousand in, in prejudgment interest. So a running and a running royalty plus costs and injunction against James and Allen's exploitation of the infringing work. Man, that sounds like they threw the book at PNB Rock in there, man, because. That, yeah, that counts up to about $1.7 million. But then the running royalty and all that and interest, man, that's, that's crazy, man. So, dude took to social media and a lot of people have been talking about this, right? I've seen Say Cheese posted earlier. I've seen a lot of different news sources posted. I
0: think complex news is the closest to this situation. But it looks like... Re- Healthcare providers are under increased scrutiny here in the state of Nevada, particularly in Las Vegas, after the prosecution of Dr. Desai, who was using cost-cutting measures that led to uh, hepatitis being spread in his office. On
6: Monday, the jury in the hepatitis C outbreak trial returned a verdict against Dr. Dupac Desai and nurse anesthetist Ronald Lakeman. Desai was found guilty on all counts, including second degree murder. And Lakeman was found guilty on 16 counts related to the outbreak. So it's
0: reasonable to say that healthcare providers can expect additional scrutiny in their office because there's a lot of public outcry with regard to uh, news that's come out of the healthcare industry here in Clark County. NRS section 422 defines healthcare fraud and healthcare fraud can encompass many things, such as taking kickbacks from patients to prescribe medication or taking kickbacks to refer to certain doctors. It can also include billing patients for procedures that were unnecessary or procedures that were never actually provided by the physician. Health care fraud can also uh, include charging excessive fees for for procedures. Uh, Again, based on events that have occurred in the community, law enforcement agents are much more aggressive now in scrutinizing the actions both of doctors and uh, other personnel in medical care offices. Here at the Las Vegas Defense Group, We represent a wide variety of people who may get caught up in a healthcare fraud investigation, including doctors, office personnel, and even patients. There are so many different people that may work in the office of a medical care provider. If you're under investigation, it could be that you have no knowledge of practices that are going on uh, at the hands of others in your office. It could be that people in your office may be doing billing, that you have no awareness that in fact there's some false billing going on. So the earlier that our law office gets involved in the process, the greater chance that we have of preventing suspicion from turning into prosecution.
6: Matthew is with us in Santa Barbara California hey Matthew how are you I'm doing great mr. Ramsey how are you doing better than I deserve sir how can I help that's that's great to hear Um, I
2: am a yeah I'm 18 and I've been following your principles for a long time I'm I'm fortunate enough that I learned them from my parents and you know, So I've never had a credit card, so I'm a little bit concerned about how to go about renting once I get out of college, um, because I know a lot
6: of people won't rent to someone with no credit score. Well, there's two types of landlords. Um, there are ones that are what we would call a corporate landlord, meaning an apartment complex, maybe, that is owned by a... Real Estate Investment Trust, and it's professionally managed by a management company that manages 27 apartment complexes all over California, or something like that. Those kinds of people are going to be very rigid and are going to expect to see something like a credit score. That manager of that apartment complex is not allowed to think for themselves. They're dictated by their corporate office, a set of guidelines. Okay, you may not be able to rent there. But here's what the irony is. I'm a multimillionaire and I couldn't rent there. Yeah, I can buy the complex. But I couldn't rent there. You know, that's the irony of this ridiculous conversation. So exactly. um, So that just means that I can't do business with them. There's some people I can't do business with today. Because they won't do something with me because I don't have a FICO score. And that's okay. Sure. That's okay. That's their decision to run their business. But my decision is is I'm not going to go into debt just to get to play footsie with them. So, But you can rent to a landlord uh, of some kind that is able or willing to think for themselves. So let's kind of think about this. Pretend for a second you were a landlord. All right, And you had a yep. guy come up, I mean, the way you were raised, let's say you owned a house and you were renting it, and you had a guy come up who's 22 years old and wants to rent the house. He has a fabulous credit score, two car payments, a credit card payment, and two student loans. Okay? Mm-hmm. Or you have another guy standing there who has no credit score and no debt. And let's pretend they have a job making about the same money. Well, if I'm the landlord, I think the guy with no debt and no credit score has a better chance of paying my rent because he doesn't have payments coming out of his ears. And so as a landlord that's able to actually think and not just follow corporate policy, I'm more likely to rent to you. That I am your doofus friend who's gone into debt to build up his credit score. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and you don't even have to be like a Dave Ramsey acolyte to think that way. You just are using c- good critical thinking skills and going, uh, people that don't have payments can pay better. Huh? Hello? You know, what I mean, it's really dumb, right? So yeah you know that 's that 's what you got to do is so you you know you knock on the door and this Sweet little couple comes out that's retired and they have a rental house and they're going to show it to you and you go, well, I just graduated from college. I don't believe in borrowing money. I don't have a credit score. But what that really means to you is, is that I'm able to pay the bill because I don't have any payments except this one. So it's really good for you that I don't have a credit score. And they go, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And that kind of person will rent to you all day long. And they might be a manager in an apartment complex. They might be just that sweet little rental cat, cut, retired couple that has a couple of rental properties or um, somebody like me, you know, that has a bunch of rental properties. And I just use critical thinking skills. I, You know, we do look at people's credit, but we do not rent based on a lack of credit score unless it's more, we're more likely to rent based on a lack of a credit score. Because a lack of a credit score at all means you don't have debt. It's the only way to have no credit score. And not having debt means you have money if you have a job. It's a pretty simple formula for me as a landlord. So that's how you look at it. But yeah, there's going to be some people who turn you down. But again, dude, they'd turn me down. And, and, you know, my net worth is tens of millions of dollars. And it's just stupid. You know, it's just the stupid world we live in. Marijuana in
7: his hotel room. Chief Keefe told TMZ his side of the story, which he claimed happened like this. So me and my homie Trey Savage was in the hotel room chilling when some fat ass security guards started knocking on the door talking about how we needed to fix a water leak. So his ass walked in and started looking around at us and immediately gave me the racist look and then started talking shit to me. I told him, I thought you was here to fix a water leak, which he obviously lied, because there was no water leaking. Then he immediately started talking shit to us. He told me that he was going to call the police on me, so I called him a bitch. He kept saying how the police about to be on the way to lock me up, so I blew smoke in his face and pulled out 30 racks and said, I got the bond money. There's more where this came from. Keefe says he felt the security guard was racist from the moment he walked in the room. When Team Z asked if the chief was smoking weed in the hotel room, his response was this. As for what I was smoking in the room, everyone needs to listen to my song with Uncle Roe, All I Smoke Is Gas. The next day, Sosa tweeted this to his fans to let him know he was free. Just got out of DeKalb County Jail in Atlanta, mad as There's no update on what happened later in that case, but we can probably assume that the charges were dismissed. Sosa's next arrest happened on May 29, 2013, just days after his arrest in Atlanta. During the early morning hours, the chief was caught going 110 miles per hour in a 55 mile per hour zone while riding in his BMW X6 on the Edens Expressway in Northfield, Chicago. When the police asked Mr. Keefe the simple question, did you know your car was going 110 miles per hour, the chief gave them the iconic response of, well, it's a fast car, that's why I bought it. In the end, Chief Keefe was taken away in cuffs and recited with going twice over the posted speed limit and for violating stipulations on his driver's permit. Less than a month later, Chief Keefe was ordered back into court for a speeding incident on the 29th. At sentencing, the 17-year-old rap legend pled guilty to doing 110 miles per hour in a 55-mile-per-hour zone and was given 18 months of probation, 60 hours of community service, random drug tests, 8 hours of traffic school, and a $531 fine. The chief was now free to leave, but as he left the Skokie courthouse, police arrested him once again on a misdemeanor trespassing charge. The chief was then rebooked and re released moments later. Now, after spending the summer as a law abiding citizen, Chief Keefe turned himself in on October 15, 2013, to the Cook County authorities after testing positive for marijuana. The judge sentenced the chief to 20 days in county jail and was released on November 8, 2013. On his way out of jail, Chief Keefe was notified that one of his conditions to get out required going to rehab for his weed problems. So the chief did just that and immediately flew to beautiful Los Angeles, California and checked himself into rehab. After spending a couple of months in rehab, Chief Keefe was free to return home to his mansion in Chicago. Almost immediately after returning home, the chief went back to his old ways and began chiefing on that good Southside Chicago cush like nothing ever happened. But that didn't last for too long because on March 5th, 2014, less than two weeks after checking out of rehab, Chief Keef was pulled over in Highland Park, Illinois early in the morning for having expired tags on his 2010 Jeep Cherokee. When the officers approached the vehicle, they claimed it reeked of pot, and the chief allegedly admitted to smoking pot before driving. The police then made the chief do a field sobriety test, and let's just say, the chief failed. Chief Keefe was eventually charged with a DUI, driving on a suspended license, and cited for having no proof of insurance. Mr. Keefe was quickly released after posting a $300 bail... Now, you're probably assuming that his next encounter with the law will have something to do with the chief going to court for his DUI and getting sentenced, but no, that's not the case. Chief Keef apparently had enough of Chicago and decided to skip court and move to Los Angeles. For good. Like, literally, for good. The moment Chief Keefe steps back in Chicago, he will be arrested immediately due to his warrants and due to the mayor of Chicago's ban on Keith Kozar, aka Chief Keefe. Now, this sounds bad, but it was honestly one of the best decisions Chief Keefe has ever made. Since his move to Los Angeles, Chief Keefe has stayed out of trouble for almost three years with zero run ins with the law. But his hot streak came to a tragic end after he was arrested on January 26, 2017, after the Los Angeles police raided his Tarzana mansion due to his alleged connection and the violent armed home invasion of his former music producer. Sources say that producer Ramsey the Great was robbed at gunpoint in his Devonshire home and accused Chief Keefe and friends of breaking into his home and holding them hostage with an AK-47 on January 19, 2017. Ramsey also stated that he was robbed of cash, a Rolex, and other valuables during the incident. Chief Keefe and friends later bailed themselves out and the case was ultimately thrown out in April 2019, due to Ramsey the Great getting sentenced to 10 years in prison for charges of human trafficking. Remorse now, even though they may want
8: to do it. In, in, in your position of sitting on the bench, my question is, if somebody has pleaded not guilty, and went through a trial, and I know that it's a very small percentage in your courtroom, can that person still do something to make amends and to reconcile and say, I was wrong, I wish I got this message sooner, I didn't, or does that come across to you less plausible?
9: Yeah, and I think we've got a whole variety of folks that kind of fit into that equation, right? And I've had a trial where the guy said, I'm guilty for selling drugs, but that gun ain't mine. And so going into trial on that case by saying, I'm guilty of the drugs, I'm not guilty of the gun, then he's lost nothing in, in the credibility standpoint. There's other folks that maybe truly are innocent, and then they will have not lost anything in that situation. Uh, and I pray to God that we don't convict innocent people. But I know that that does. If it happens once, it happens too much. And then there's other folks that are not at that point, and maybe you were at at that stage or not, where you can't own up to it. Um, I think at any point when somebody owns up to a problem, that's, that's better than none. If, if the person's truly guilty, if that's what we're talking about, then owning up at any time, usually it's 90 days or more between a conviction or a change of plea and sentencing. Um, that's not that long a time. But then in other situations, it's long enough. To figure out I screwed up I made a mistake I've done something wrong here and I'm committed to improving it. and I think most judges are really good about judging if that's a genuine apology and a genuine attempt to fix it versus I'm trying to shave a few years off my sentence
8: and, and I would agree that it's never too early and it's never too late to begin working toward a better life and working toward an opportunity to reconcile with society and particularly victims, what thoughts do you have on individuals who really come clean during the pre-sentence investigation report, providing a full written narrative to the probation officer that doesn't excuse their misconduct, but rather shows the influences that led that person there? Does that, when you see that at the very earliest stage, such as the pre-sentence investigation report, does that help your assessment or your deliberations over what an appropriate and fair sentence is?
9: Yeah, it definitely does. I think it helps for a public defender or CJA counsel to be able to cite to the PSR to say, this is how it got there. you know. This person's father was never in their life. This person sold drugs at this point to get this. This person did these things, and that tells the story and puts it all in context. So we talked about at the beginning of this interview, the sentencing guidelines have no reflection of humanity. It's a grid. It's a chart. And I put you on an X, Y chart. On the other hand, the 35:53 factors that statute mandates. I put a human face on the individual standing in front of me, and so if there's if there's things in the PSR that the lawyer can cite to and that the defendant can cite to and talk about it, you're creating your own evidence at that point, for good or for bad. You're telling your PSR writer in the probation office. Here's everything you need to know about me and how I got here. Um, that That is good advocacy, if nothing else. It
8: sounds like you're reiterating what, what, I, what I heard you say at the beginning of this interview and that what Sean and I are always telling people who are reading our materials is that the most important... Person in the sentencing hearing is the defendant himself. He shouldn't outsource all of his remorse to the defense attorney But rather should make the investment of time and energy to help the judge See that individual for who he is and what influences led him there. Uh, I, am I correct in understanding that's what you're telling us?
9: You, you're correct And I may backpedal a little bit because The lawyer can help put that together Right and I, at least in my district and i can't speak to anybody else's i have a, a lot of respect for a public defender's office and some of our frequent flyers on the cja panel um, we appoint those people we're used to seeing them we've developed a sense of respect and
10: go through is there an age cap on state justices we yes. talked about they had to be at least a lawyer for five or ten years But for state judges, is there a max age?
11: A recent Supreme Court amendment raised that from 70 to 75. So at 75, on their 75th birthday,
10: they have to retire. Okay, so you can't be any older than 75. Can't be any older than 75. So what about federal court judges? How does it work? How does a lawyer become a federal court judge? Um, How does that process differ from state? Well...
11: Number one, the judicial nominating commissions are not required for federal judge selections. We have it in Florida and that's because our two senators have agreed to do it that way. A lot of states, the senator on his own picks his best friend or picks somebody he knows and he gets sent up for a judgeship. In Florida, we have to go through the same process as the state. They put out an advertisement saying, look, you want to be a federal judge, apply the Judicial Nominating Commission. They're appointed by the senators if they have a senator that is of the same party as the president. If you don't, then it's a congressman. Then they interview everybody just like they do in the state court, and then they send recommendations up to the senator. The senator then picks the one person out of the recommendation they like Then that person goes to the president, and then the president has a process through the Department of Justice. They investigate, they do background checks, then the president makes an appointment, and then I'm going to shortcut it, and then goes to the United States Senate for advice and consent or approval of the appointment. Now, if you remember, I didn't mention the Florida State Senate, because in Florida, when the governor makes the appointment, that person's a judge, He does not have to go to the Florida Senate for approval.
10: Okay, so that's a big difference. So they have to be confirmed by the United States Senate, but the state court judges, at least in Florida, don't have to be confirmed by anybody if the governor picks them. That's right. Okay. Big difference. Right. So what is the uh, tenure, as we like to say, for federal court judges? Federal court judge is a lifetime appointment. Life appointed for life. Anybody. Yeah. Any and
11: federal it, judge, lifetime and appointment. And it makes
10: a big difference in how they act and rule on cases and how things are and how quickly they move right. things or change hearings on us yeah, right. with you know recusivity. they don't have to campaign every six years. Right. They don't have to be popular. They can say show up today, actually we're gonna move it to next week, whether you have something right. or not. Um, Okay, and then what are the salaries for federal court judges? Well, a district court judge is 200, that's the
11: basic trial court, and that's the one that I have, is $216,400.
10: Okay, so more than state court judges. More than state court judges, so federal court judges make more than that. So why would somebody want to be a federal court judge versus a state court judge, or why, why is there the difference in what type of people are attracted to the different positions?
11: Well, federal judges deal with bigger cases. Um, uh, There's minimum financial cases. There's federal crimes. They just deal with a bigger case type, but a smaller case load. They don't have as many cases in federal court.
10: So it's seen as a better position, more prestigious position. Is it often that state court judges become federal court judges or just straight from lawyer to federal court it judge? It happens quite a bit. Uh, in fact... Which way? What
11: happens is that the state ones become federal. Okay. I've never seen it go the other way. Uh, well, just recently, though, two Florida Supreme Court justices appointed by uh, Governor DeSantis, both of them got elevated to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, a federal appellate court by Trump, within like a week of each other. So he plucked two state court judges from the Supreme Court and put them in the appellate court in the federal system.
10: Okay, so what is the percentage, would you say? that state court judges versus just regular lawyers make the jump to federal court judge. That's what I'm asking. Right. So, like, is right. it more lawyers? Is it 50-50? I does would it say not it's, prob- it's probably a 50-50 okay. split. so it's not, co- it's not more common for you to take that as a stepping stone to become right. a state court judge than federal court judge. You can go just straight to federal court. Right. So if you, does it help if you have a lot of federal court practice, if you're a federal prosecutor whatever, getting a federal... Judgeship versus state. It's hard to say what really will help. Uh, for instance, so it's we just, politics, obviously, right. that's the number I mean, one. so There's some federal
11: judges, uh, that are federal judges, but when there were uh, regular lawyers, never tried a case, yet they became federal judges. There are um, prof- law professors, never tried a case, but became federal judges. Uh, you really can't say... Uh, And it really goes to the whim of the president when you really think about
10: it. So really, the judges that are appointed have a lot less scrutiny almost it sounds like than the judges that are voted on because people can look into and pick what they want the most versus just kind of one person or a group of nine people looking in and seeing if you check the boxes that they feel is important.
11: In my opinion, I would disagree with that. Okay. I would I think the people selected by judicial nominating commissions are on the average better qualified than elections.
12: I'm here with premier Nevada criminal defense lawyer Michael Becker. And Michael, today I want to ask you about elder abuse laws here in Nevada. And obviously we have uh you know a, a sizable senior population here and we're seeing more and more people Get arrested for elder abuse. First of all, what is the legal definition of elder abuse?
0: Elder abuse is the commission of a crime against someone who is 60 or older. And it's divided into several categories. Abuse, neglect, isolation, and exploitation.
12: And by exploitation, I mean that would typically be like sort of embezzling money or... You know, handling grandma's accounts and kind of, you know, siphoning off money for yourself, that sort of thing.
0: That's correct. We see those cases often. Um, The allegations are against a child or a caretaker who has access to the checkbooks or the credit cards or the ATM card, or uh, perhaps even uh, has access to the home when things come missing from the home.
12: Now, if someone is convicted of elder abuse, what sort of penalties
0: are they typically looking at? It would depend. Um, If there were uh, some type of neglect that did not involve injury, uh, a first offense could be a gross misdemeanor. If you had abuse that led to physical injury, you'd be looking at a felony. With regard to the exploitation elements, The greater the amount of money that is lost or the value of the property that is taken, the more severe the crime. So, it can range anywhere from gross misdemeanor charges to felony charges.
12: So, from relatively minor charges to very serious charges where someone could potentially spend years in prison. Absolutely. Now... Obviously, I mean, you know, it sounds terrible, the, the whole idea of elder abuse. And, you know, intuitively, there's nothing worse than you know, sort of harming a senior citizen. But but as bad as that is, um, unfortunately, th- there are a lot of innocent people who get accused of this. And, and, and a lot of times, police and prosecutors rush to judgment and... and innocent people find themselves being charged. I mean, have you found that to be the case?
0: I I would agree. I mean, I think we increasingly live in a society where when bad things happen, we like to allocate blame for bad things to happen. So, for example, if uh, a child who is a caretaker goes off to the store and they come back and mom has fallen and hit her head... You know, if they don't charge you for the abuse itself and say you did it, they're 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 going to say, well, well, you left her home alone and you shouldn't have done so, and therefore your neglect uh, created a situation where the likelihood of injury was greater. So I do think in this arena, uh, elder abuse, you see a lot more charging that uh, juries ultimately find very questionable. And,
12: and I mean, a lot of times if, if an elderly person is injured um, or, or sort of uh, not properly cared for or you know, loses, loses money, loses their nest egg, I mean, there's, it, there's, sort of, there's an outrage and there's sort of a desire to point the finger at someone. Uh, but sometimes, I mean, the finger is
0: pointed at the wrong person. That's correct. I mean, um, for example, if something is missing and the caretaker is charged for it, you know, it doesn't mean that that caretaker had exclusive access to the home or, uh, or items belonging in the home. But sometimes the assumption might be that because they had such close access that they must have been the party involved in the exploitation of the elderly person. But the prosecutor still has to... Prove those charges uh, and usually to a jury uh, by the standard of proof beyond a reasonable doubt. And you can't be convicted of elderly abuse if it's a gross uh, misdemeanor or a felony charge unless a jury unanimously agrees that you're guilty.
12: And as a criminal defense lawyer, have you had a lot of success over the years in defending people who are charged with
0: elder abuse? I have. Um, we've seen a lot of cases. Most of our cases involve uh, financial issues, where there are allegations, sometimes brought by battling children, who are each alleging that one that, 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 that you know one of the children had had uh, had taken advantage of the parents. One from,
12: rival sibling pointing the finger
0: at that, the other. That's right. And um, I I believe that we've gotten very good results in those types of cases. I'm attorney Michael Becker with the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you've been charged with elder abuse in Las Vegas or anywhere in the state of Nevada, call us at 702-DEFENSE and let's hear your side of the story. Let's see what we can do to help you get your charges reduced or dismissed. What's central in a prosecution for gaming fraud is intent. So, for example, if somebody was just intoxicated and sloppy and didn't realize the cards had been dealt, or didn't realize that uh, they had moved chips uh, to a position on the table that constituted a wager, it would be a defense if there was no intent to defraud the house. So what's really important is we have to obtain the videos that show the activity of the player. And it's central to the prosecution's ability to to uh, successfully prosecute these cases, to have the video so they can prove that the person uh, wasn't merely making a mistake as opposed to committing a crime while gaming. that allows you to legally Drive
13: a tank and shoot a tank. Not only could you do that, right? You could become a real life chopper gunner and shoot from a Huey attack chopper in the middle of the desert with an actual fully automatic minigun. All this stuff is legal in the state of Nevada. So if you ever wanted to come to Las Vegas and shoot a tank or run over real cars with your tank, go to Battlefield Las Vegas. They have packages that allow you to shoot a main battle tank round and also allow you to drive it, run over cars and all that stuff. Battlefield Las Vegas also allows you to shoot fully automatic machine guns, military style. So no semi-automatic, these are fully automatic weapons that you are allowed to shoot here. It's a really cool place to try out if you're new to guns or if you just wanna shoot some military style weapons. For those of you guys who ever want to be a real life chopper gunner, you can absolutely do that with gunship helicopters for around $600. They will take you on a helicopter in the middle of the desert, and you'll shoot at actual targets. They also have other packages, like movie packages, where you can shoot your own film. Like they would shoot, they would shoot a legit film for you. Like Hollywood style, like this. Name another place, another city where you could do this and You can't do this anywhere else but Las Vegas. For those of you guys who like to smoke in Las Vegas, you could pretty much smoke anywhere you want inside a casino. The only non-smoking resort is Park MGM, where they do not allow smoke whatsoever. So for those of you guys who are allergic or who just don't want to be around that, go to Park MGM, stay there, and you'll do good. But for those of you guys who just like to smoke in public and don't like being shunned for it, absolutely you can smoke anywhere you want except for at Park MGM. The only exception is that this is not allowed at restaurants or anywhere close to a restaurant. So if the gaming floor is next to a restaurant or next to a bar that serves food, then it'll probably tell you not to smoke, but anywhere else you're good to go. All right, some of you guys are going to like this one, but public nudity is allowed in Las Vegas. Well, in certain areas before you guys get too excited, prostitution is again, not legal whatsoever in Las Vegas is highly illegal in the city of Las Vegas. However, you can go to certain pools and beach clubs that allow European style topless Topless activities. Just to give you two quick venues, you could go to Tao Beach Club or Marquee Beach Club, where they pretty much allow that. There's no rules against it. I said previously that I will make a dedicated video of all the places that you can go topless in Las Vegas. It is not every single pool, okay? It's not every single pool, it's not every single beach club. So make sure you do your research before you come here on which venues allow it and which venues don't. Um, also, the rules could change depending on the night. So make sure that you ask. This one is the best one. And it's one of the reasons why tons of people move here. Tax evasion in the city of Las Vegas. Well, in the state of Nevada, actually, you can legally evade taxes. And that's because there is no state income tax. When you move here, you absolutely do not have to pay any state income tax, which save you a bunch of money per year. You only have to pay federal taxes. Anyway, I hope that all was helpful. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. See you guys for the next video. Peace.
14: Mercedes white, pearl white, brown interior, um, CLS 500. Mmm. I didn't have to put any cash down on the car as far as um, at, the, at the dealership. I did pay him a deposit. I paid them $600 deposit and $600 upfront for $500. Yeah. But I know I'm going to get my money back in three weeks. For sure. Times three. Yeah. Times three. Yeah. Those I deals exist. It. People were begging you it. to take my car.
15: I love it. You know what <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to go uh, go car shopping again uh, later. This I, week know you, I know you. I know you process. So, I was happy. Look, um, I, we, we we've been here for a good little minute, man. Uh, I want to say thank you for just opening up and being transparent. Like yeah. it ain't really about buying. Of course, you gave so much information on this, uh, on this, uh, this show that like people can really be empowered and know Absolutely. that there are options. Absolutely, like you have money. If you want to start a business, you got a business in your driveway right,
14: right? now. I'm going to steal that line. <laughs> you have a business sitting in your driveway right now.
15: That's crazy. Aye, That's aye, amazing. Aye. So, um, I definitely have uh, one, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. So, I'm on
14: social media primarily. I like to funnel everybody through my Instagram. I love my Instagram. So, my Instagram is CEO Matty J on Instagram. You on Clubhouse yet? Clubhouse? I heard about it. What is that? It's a vibe. Yo, you put me on? I'll do what I can. Uh,
15: I gotta call somebody to call somebody. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be invited to it.
14: Uh huh.
15: And I I use my invitation. Run it. I got you. You know what
14: I'm saying? I got you. So I'm on Instagram right now, and of course, I got my website, clmattiej.com. Anybody who wants to sign up for the course, can hit that link.
15: Yeah, link, link, link in the bio right now. Okay, of course it's in the bio. crazy,
14: and it's a mentorship too. So we meet every Monday at nine thirty Eastern time. So it's not just a course. Mm-hmm. Even though the value, we're going. I'm going through the process. So now. you got the people in yes. that's
15: on the business and you're like yes. walking Oh. We've been going
14: crazy. We just had a meeting yesterday. Yo, man, I just got my, somebody got a Range Rover. His name is George. Shout out to George. He got a Range Rover, and another my boy Will, P- Mr. Pitside Will. He got his um, scat pack. He rented it out from Detroit. He out here. Mm. He rented it out to his friends. He said, "Yeah, I made a couple, a couple hundred already. I just got my scat pack."
15: What's a scat pack?
14: It's a uh, Dodge, Dodge Challenger, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Dang! Oh,
15: I'm, I'm excited. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I will be uh, billing out this passive ten grand a month. Just passive. Something yeah, like 10, yeah, yeah, 20.
14: It's easy, it's light, light. it's it's, it's, it's a good play, man. (laughs) What's crazy is once this, the more this gets exposed to everybody, there's gonna be so many people in this industry, even transferring from the real estate or doing both, cause this is like, we're in an age where there's peer-to-peer platforms, Mm -hmm. meaning we're more acceptable to share with each Mm -hmm. other, share Uber rides, share our personal items, Share our spaces. Yeah. That's what we're doing now. with Platforms like Airbnb, Peer Space, Turo. It's, it's time to capitalize. I love it.
15: Well, look, I, I like to make predictions on this podcast, man. Uh, I, 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 I want to be able to ask you a question of where you see yourself in the next five to ten years. Golly. You, in- know, you
14: know the answer to that. Oh, my goodness. Know, in <laughs> I'm trying to be in heaven, man. I'm
3: tired of this world, oh on, man. It's stressful. <laughs> I'm
9: so,
15: it, it, so that we can look back on this video oh, to that's say, not, dang, we talked you know, about that." We talked about it. That's hard. So, if, okay, if have that guy doesn't come back,
14: yeah. If, there, if there's no <laughs> video footage in heaven by the time this world is crazy, Somebody gonna push that button. Anyways, but um, if we do have the the opportunity to still be, you know, what I'm sure. to look back on this video. What I'm going to be doing is um, having hosting, ma- teaching people the importance of masterminds, masterminding, and working together in unity. Right mm-hmm. now, there isn't groups and subgroups of people gathering together and helping each other with a specific mission. Whatever their mission is, I, ha- I want to help cultivate those those gatherings together, not just online but in person primarily in person. So that's what I really have a passion for. But in order for people to gather, they have to have common interests. Yeah. We typically gather when we play basketball mm-hmm. or sports activities, but where are we gathering for business, specific business purposes? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, of course, people gather for faith, that's what church is for. People gather for eating, that's what we're eating for, but business is not really that too much gathering on whatever missions that people have so they can bounce ideas with each other, share their challenges, share their experiences, and be real vulnerable and transparent with each other and help Mm -hmm. each other grow. I love it.
15: Both business, not just business as well, but personal development as well. That's really really big. For sure. All right, well, look, man, I need y'all to do me a favor and get some bars together to close us out. Um, follow my boy, CEO Matty J. Yes, um, sir. This uh, podcast is a sponsor by the Morning Meetup, the morning meetup, the only community. The Morning
14: Meetup, I got invited the Morning Meetup. I said, where do I sign up? Because this is the only, the only platform.
0: I'm Las Vegas criminal defense attorney Michael Becker. Under NRS 200.485, the Nevada crime of domestic violence by strangulation occurs when a person chokes a current or former dating partner, spouse, child, or relative, not including siblings or cousins. Even if the strangling spanned only a moment and caused no lasting harm, prosecutors treat battery domestic violence with strangulation as a Category C felony. The penalties include one to five years in prison, and possibly a fine of up to $10,000. However, the charges could be reduced or dismissed through a plea bargain. Three common defenses include, 1. The defendant was acting in self-defense. 2. The alleged victim falsely accused the defendant and possibly self-inflicted his or her own wounds and or Three, the incident was an accident and the defendant was not intentionally strangling the victim. If the prosecution can prove that the defendant unlawfully touched the victim but has no proof of any strangling, then the charge may get reduced from a felony down to a misdemeanor. If you've been arrested in Nevada, call my legal team for a free consultation at 702-DEFENSE. Our experienced attorneys at the Las Vegas Defense Group will do everything to try to get your charges reduced or dismissed. Each one of those is a victim. I was like,
1: are you, they're all owned by Countrywide. They're like, no, that's not how it works. Well, then they turned around and they gave me an enhancement for having, for stealing more than a mil, or for, whatever, uh, for stealing more than a million dollars from one financial institution. And I was like, who's that? And they said, countrywide. And I went, well, this doesn't make sense. Like, countrywide, you you said, like, I didn't steal more than a million dollars from any one of those four countrywide. They said, yeah, but if you add them together, it's more than a million dollars. I said, but you said they were four individual victims. And then they said, no, no. Or they're four corporate corporation victims. So four victims, they said, Yeah, but for the purposes of this enhancement, we can add them together because they're all owned by a countrywide bank. I mean like that's double jeopardy. And you're hitting me for the same thing over and over again and just calling it something else. So the point is, is I got hit. For that, I probably did an extra couple of years for that. Uh, and that's what they're going to do Luca. They're going to stack the charges, and he's going to say, I'll plead guilty, but he's going to cooperate against all of his friends and family. And he's going to say, you know, uh, Jimmy helped me, and Tommy helped me, and Bob helped me, and so-and-so helped me, and he did this, and he did that. And he's going to put it together for him. And I'll bet you he still gets between five and ten years. He's still going to get between five and 10 years. Even with all that, if he just says, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to cooperate. I'm I'm not going to cooperate. I'm just going to, I'm just going to take my lumps. Uh, you know, just, just, uh, I'll plead guilty and, uh, I'll just take the charge. He's going to get 20 years. He's going to get 20 years because he was, he was on supervision when this, or on probation when this happened he just been released from prison. He's already got a criminal history of fraud. I mean, and this is... The other thing is, you get an enhancement for fraud against the United States. He's going to probably get an extra two-point enhancement for fraud against the United States. I mean, every time, every one of these points incrementally gets larger and larger. So, your first... You know, once you're in, once you're up to like 10, so let's say the next point, let's say 10 and you're going to jail for a year. Well, the next enhancement is, let's say it's, let's say it's six months. So you're going, we're going to add, you're, you're currently, you're currently getting 120 months, but you also have this enhancement. Well, that enhancement adds another six months. Now it's 126 months. Oh yeah, we're also gonna give you this other enhancement. Well the next enhancement, it's not six months. Every new enhancement adds more months. So the next enhancement is eight more months. So now you're doing um you're doing a hundred and thirty-four months. Oh, and then and then we've got these other two enhancements. Well that's not eight. Now it's now it's eleven plus So that's the next one's 11. And the next one on top of that is going to be, you know, 14. So you're like, it just, next thing you know, every enhancement ends up, by the time they were done hitting me with enhancements, every enhancement, every enhancement for me, okay, was like 40 months, 43 months, 48 months, 52 months. I mean, they smashed me. It was it was it was just detrimental. Every time somebody was like, "Oh, also he did this and that's another enhancement. That's a one point." And some of these enhancements are two, three, po- four points. My point is this: he's going to do some time. He's not getting out. He's not going to get out on on. Uh, He's not going to get out on his own recognizance. He's certainly not going to get out on bond. He doesn't have any of his own money. I can't imagine that he could prove. If he had any of his own money, he, he wouldn't be ripping off the federal government. But most likely, he's going to sit in prison. He's going to cooperate as best as possible. And... And he's going to get sentenced and he's going to end up going back to Coleman. And he's going to probably go back to B4. No, I'm just joking. I don't know. <laughs> He'll probably will go back to Coleman though. He'll probably go back to Coleman Low. He'll see all of his old buddies. He'll walk in. They'll be like, I can't tell you how many times I saw guys leave. Listen, I did 12 and a half years. I watched guys get out of prison, get a new charge, come back to prison, serve their time for that new charge, get out of prison again, get another charge, and come back to prison. That's how long I was there. So he's going to see a bunch of the same guys. And they're gonna walk in, he's gonna walk in. I've seen these guys, they walk in and you look up at them and you go like that and they're like, they just shake their head and they go and you go, what happened, man? And they're like, man, bro, you can't believe this, man. I I got jammed up because of this or that or this, or you know, I was doing this and I was doing that. And
16: between time, right? Mm-hmm. So. I start uh, meeting people, like the, the best place to network for me has been. What kind of car did you fitness. have at this point? I had, um, uh, to- oh no I didn't, I didn't have a Toyota Prius. I had a Jeep Wrangler. Jeep Wrangler. So yeah. I got a Jeep Wrangler, right? And the Cardinal was high. So just all, all this stuff helped me. Mm-hmm. So this, all these things that you think are bad, they helped me. I, I had horrible credit, got it, right? I just couldn't even get it myself. I had my brother and my best friend co-sign for it together. Dang, you did, did
5: you three people on one car? Right, it yeah, wasn't I mean. me. I
16: wasn't even in the equation. Oh.
5: <laughs> I couldn't get it, my credit
16: was that bad. I'm talking about my best friend and my brother. They they uh, co-signed to get me a Jeep. It was my dream car. I, all I was a Jeep. I had good money. I knew I could pay the note. Mm. I was working at the jail. I had good benefits. Yeah. I had a straight salary. I was getting like 70,000 a year. You know what mm. I mean? I was doing a lot of overtime, so. That's
15: crazy, 70 grand a year. Credit still trash. Still credit terrible. No, no knowledge of it. No reason to fix it
16: for me. I did every, every time you know in our community when we hear the word credit we start right. uh, uh, start remixing. We like, <laughs> you be like oh, but, but you know it's taboo like or something like right. people don't know what the deal is. But really we when you later on you find out it's just a tool like yeah. anything. It's like money is a tool. You get what I'm saying? I don't even see money as valuable as credit now. Like it's like money is just money. It's like yeah. cash. Who needs it? Right, right. You know what I mean. <laughs> it was like I got credit. So, but long story short, before all of that, I had this high Jeep Wrangler. So I go out and I quit, and I got this Jeep Wrangler, and uh, I'm I'm networking at LA Fitness. You know, that's a great place to network for me. Mm-hmm. And I found this art of network and how people just di- dying to give you information. Oh, for sure. People who know stuff, like people think it's like hard to network. People who, want, who who actually are successful, they want to tell people. Yeah, 100%. They dying for hair. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, me
15: uh, 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 take that.
16: <laughs> so, you know, so I'm in L.A. Fitness Day, and then, like, these dudes talking about Airbnb, right? They like, I tell them, what the hell is Airbnb? These dudes like, you ain't got Airbnb? Pfft, you sleep. That's how they looked out to me. Oh, so they were all like in the Everybody game. Everybody in this gym, I'm at Buckhead LA Fitness, I'll never forget it. All of them had three LA Fitnesses a piece. I'm at three uh, Airbnbs a piece. Really? Three of them a piece. They're looking at me like I was a simp. You ain't got an Airbnb? You walling?
15: <laughs> what are you talking
16: about? <laughs> Every one of them. So clearly I go get an Airbnb game, they sat. Mm. And you know, this all circles, this is like a reason I got this high car note. I'm an entrepreneur now, I quit. Where's my job? I was like, I gotta drive Uber and Lyft. Now my credit good, right? My credit mm-hmm. good now, cause I quit. So I went, I was like, let me go get a Toyota Prius. It's a great car to drive Uber and Lyft with, right? right. $20. So then $20 you got Toyota. the Jeep and the- I got a Jeep and a Prius. Yes. I used it. I didn't have no cash or nothing like that. I had my, I left with my pension from the jail. Well,
15: why didn't you just use the Jeep to- To, to Uber and- Lyft? Yeah. I,
16: I did that, but it's lifted. I was I was do, immediately gonna do it with the Jeep, but it's lifted and got 35 inch mud tires, heavy duty front bumper, you know what I mean? So nobody oh. wanna climb into the Jeep to the Uber. Right, so right. I was like, I gotta get <laughs> another car. So I go get the freest, like kind of efficient car. I was like, I'm, see I'm being strategic now. Mm-hmm. I got them, you know what I mean? I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna use this money that I got from my pension, get the Airbnb, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, and for it out. Right. So <laughs> I do that, right? So I do that, and then, um, so the, this it's not chronological, like the story is yeah, like, right. it's all everywhere, but it's around the same time. For sure. So long story short, I go jump in that Prius, I'm doing 16 hour shifts in that Prius now, right? Mm. I'm going 16 hour shifts, um, I'm making good money though, I'm making like right. $2,800 a week, but I'm going crazy. I'm, they're kicking me off the app, I'm driving from Lyft to Uber. 16 hour shifts, seven days a week, no time, but I got money, so all this time I'm just trying to get my credit up to that right score. I, right. Just, bought that, I just bought that Prius so it's a three month redemption time on that whip. Right, right, right. I need to get it to re-up so I'm just like, I'm just thinking of plans, business plans. I'm going to these different, different things I would never do. Just yeah. socializing with people who do that stuff. So long story short, I get, I'm going crazy in the Prius. I, I found out about this thing called uh, Raleigh Rides which is Toro now. Raleigh Rides.
3: Oh. Right.
16: Relay Rides or something like that. That's what it was called at the time. So I found out about that. So now, all this stuff is happening at the same time. I got the, I'm trapping the, I'm trapping the, uh, the uh, us out, I'm, I'm doing that, I'm riding around, I'm leveraging. I'm like boom, get getting dollars a week. I got the Airbnb, I pay for it with my pension money that I pulled from the jail. Oh, six figures of Uber? Bruh, when I, oh, but it wasn't for a long time. I did it for like maybe six months and I was making 200 a week constantly. You feel what I'm saying? Me and my brother, we out there Man. going crazy. We talking to each other like on walkie talkies type of thing on the phone. <laughs> we out there all day, where you at man, I'm, I'm in Tucker. Where you right. at, oh, uh. We riding around crazy. So, to get to the point, I was, going, I was getting busy but I didn't have no time. So I had to figure out, I was like, damn, what am I do? I still ain't got no plan. Mm. So I got the Airbnb going, and still ain't make money yet. I just, I'm just getting it together. Mm. So I get it together, I get one. I get that one out, I start trapping out, it's making good money. I was like, it's solid, nothing crazy but I put the Jeep on the Raleigh rides and I'm talking about my car note was 400 mm. and I was making 3200 a month off that joint. So hold on, so Raleigh how did you get introduced to Raleigh rides? Uh, I just met a guy who was running his car ride on it. He's from San Francisco.